Hello, beautiful people. Before we kick off this episode, I want to let you know our guest is putting up five digital copies of the newly released Mighty Fight Federation. If you want to claim one of these copies, be one of the first five listeners to head over to our Facebook page and message us with both artists of our intro and outro songs. If you're one of the first five to give us this information, you will get a copy of the fighting game made by people who love fighting games. So, without any further ado, on with the show. You know, the like that old pre-AOL sound. Some of our younger uh, listeners will never know, have no idea what we're talking about right now. You and me, we come from different worlds. You like to laugh at me when I look at other girls. Sometimes you're crazy, and you wonder why. I'm such a baby, cause the cowboys make me cry. But there's nothing I can do. People of the internet, welcome to the BRB AFK podcast. I am your humble producer, Boston, and joining us in the studio, as always, is the time being, Scott. Hello, everyone. And our illustrious host, Mr. Ryan Shipley. Is Groundhog's Day happening again? I'm feeling some deja vu as well. like something's going on here. I feel like I'm about to say, Boston, that was really cool the way you started with Post Malone's uh, cover of the Hootie and the Blowfish classic, Only Want to Be With You, which is on the Pokemon 25th anniversary celebration CD. And I never thought I would say that sentence. I never thought that would be a sentence that would ever come out of my mouth. I mean, I didn't know the 25th anniversaries were going to be that important, that they would bring in big names but hey pokemon is a global phenomenon and i will say i haven't heard his version but i say it's better than hootie and lovish live absolutely that's the part of this groundhog's day thing i wish never happened (laughs) this is what i gotta do i have to keep repeating this part of the podcast over and over again until i can get scott to love hootie and the blowfish live right and it's not that i don't like them as a group back then i just don't like them live but i have a question i'm a little confused because i I'm confused because I have no idea who you are. Well, I'm just cutting in because <laughs> we have a random person interrupting our podcast, guys. <laughs> he heard this. I'm sorry. Is, it, is this not the Victoria's Secret cattle? Wait a minute. No. <laughs> Wait a minute. Boston, let's go ahead and introduce him. And by the way, the first three times we tried to, tr- we tried to do this tonight, Ryan, the guy, were, spoiler alert, was very polite and waited till we said his name, which is the first ever for a guest. I, I say we just start right. over the fourth time at this point. No, I mean, I mean honestly, you shut your mouth. All right, Boston, who do we have here with us tonight? You and me, we come from different worlds. You like to laugh at me when I look at other girls. Sometimes you're crazy, and you wonder why I'm such a baby because the cowboys make me. Welcome to the no! BRB AFK no! <laughs> Speaking of uh, cracked rear views, huh. joining us is uh, one of the members of Forthright Entertainment, Mr. Ryan Waller. What's going on, guys? Thanks for having me. I just had a quick question, though, in all honesty. Sure, sure. Um, while I like the Post Malone cover, what I just heard played was Nickelback's Rockstar, so I'm confused. That's what I heard. Yeah. Okay. No, I'm I cannot be overthrown like, by like another confused. Ryan. Maybe that's Boston? our end song. What did you hear on the opening song? Does Post Malone have a uh, Does Post Malone have a Nickelback's 
uh, cover. No, it was not Post Malone. I'm, I'm 90% positive. It's Chad Kruger's voice going. <laughs> By the way, is there a pre Malone? Ah, good question. Uh, that is actually as we just as we discussed last week. Uh, there is pre Malone, yeah. Malone, and Post Malone. His three evolutions. Oh my of god, we did talk about Post Malone. Oh my god, this is becoming a Post Malone podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Post, come on, buddy. Ryan, as you've stated previously, you you uh, have listened to the show from the beginning, correct? Yes. Wait, which Ryan are you oh, talking to? I'm talking to Ryan tonight. Totally well, me. you don't listen to your own self speak, so I know it's not you, Ryan. That's uh, Shipley. <laughs> True. Yes. But if you have noticed throughout our, we've 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 had multiple themes. Uh, just ranged from dildos to now Post Malone with all kinds of things in between. Yes, yeah. well, I think our Post Malone podcast. If we start doing a Post Malone podcast, I think each episode focuses on one of his tattoos. That, that is a lot. He's got a lot, a lot of, of episodes. Absolutely. Well, that's okay because there's there's podcasts out there that are covering every single episode of The Simpsons. I well, so, you know, I'm just looking okay. forward to though it, it, is at, when I go back and listen to this podcast. What is the intro song going to be? I'm really confused. So I'm still excited about this. Maybe it's so, going to be yeah. a remix of both of them. Could Ooh. be. Could be. Little producer skills here showing yeah. up. Your boss so, is going to remix. Students Corporation Zero. The, the, the problem is that those aren't in the same sequence of, of, of rhythm, so that might be challenging. I'm really interested to, to uh, listen to this podcast now once it goes live. So I, I need to see this uh, or hear this opening song. I would hate for it not to be Post Malone because then my review of the game we're going to be talking about later is probably going to be bad. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> that's a lot of editing work. <laughs> so, um, but. <laughs> I know a lot of people are probably confused right now. Uh, let's get into it. So we introduced Ryan, did we? We did. We did. We, we did. We run. Fourth Entertainment. Okay. All right. Fourth Entertainment. <laughs> the fourth time, it's just, eh, he's with Fourth Ride Entertainment. Founding member of Fourth Ride Entertainment, actually. Oh. Yes, that is true. That is true. Look, I'm just reading off my notes, okay? I created, I created the company in 2006. Okay, so. and we're going to talk about that. What do you consider your official title with Fourth Ride? I am officially, legally, the chairman of the board. Nice. Do you have a board? I do have a board. Now, is this like chairman of the board, like the Carrot Top movie? It should have been spelled B-O-R-E-D. I, I'm, I'm sorry. You actually watch Carrot Top things? No, but I know <laughs> of it. I think you sound, I, 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 you sound a little guilty here, buddy. I think you're speaking. Ryan Shipley is a pop culture guru, so he, he covers true. all bases. That is true. Yeah. I respect that statement. That is true. Yes. Does Carrot Top still, like, there was a while back where Carrot Top, I guess, started working out, I guess, picking up those props all the time, give you muscles, and he had the face of a witch and oh. the body of, like, <laughs> a yeah. muscle man. You can't make fun of a way a person looks here. I mean, he's not kidding, though. Uh, he's not making fun of him. He's just stating a, a fact. I, I, I did hear Carrot Top say that, that God made him this way so he can make everyone else feel pretty. Okay. That's mm -hmm. good. I wonder if he's I actually around. have I have no idea if Carrot Top said that, but I'm gonna say he said that so that people like you know don't I'll judge Carrot I'll say right now I hundred percent believe you. That that's not you sounded confident in that statement, so Oh really? Wow. Oh yeah. Yeah. All right. Um <laughs> this is amazing. So one of the reasons why I think it's uh this first part of the episode's coming off so well is um three of the four of us here known have known each other for about 20 years. Boston is the odd duck here. I, I thought um, it's going off really well, Ryan, because we've done it four times already or three to four times. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're past, we're past the start point now. We're in this new territory, right. new dark right. waters. I feel like we started a podcast version of a roguelite. 
That's brilliant. Yeah. Every time we go through, we're picking up something new. We got yes. the, carrot top, uh, the carrot top stuff. Yeah, you know, I, I should make the podcast roguelike game, you know? Yes. Oh. But let's uh, go back to what Ryan said, though. Let's let's introduce how all three of us know each, have known each other for so long and how we've met each other. So how do you two know each other, Scott? Because I've never heard that story. Yeah. So Ryan oh, and I, a good, a it's, it's a really good story. So Ryan and I used to work. At two competing video game stores uh, in East Town Mall, our RIP East Town Mall RIP. RIP. So Ryan worked at it was was it Babbage's at the time? I was at Babbage's, which became GameStop. Which became GameStop, yes. right? I worked at Electronics. I worked at Electronics Boutique, Boutique, which became EB Games, which later became GameStop when they bought them out. <laughs> so at the time, I was working at up at the upstairs game store, Electronics Boutique in the mall. Ryan was working downstairs at our, our and our, our companies hated each other. Oh, Fierce. so this is kind of like a Romeo and Juliet thing. Uh, yes, yes. It's worse. Uh, it's, it's, worse. It's, more, yeah. it's more like Benedict Arnold, probably. Oh, oh. It's, it's, it's terrible. So my first, and, and, I, and I had seen Ryan around, you know, I'm sure I think we both have, you know, just because it's hard to be so strikingly handsome. Oh, wait, exactly. That's not exactly. Why, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, man, that guy, he's pretty hot. We need to get him up here with us. <laughs> <laughs> Where were you? Wow, that, that's news to me. <laughs> yeah, man. That's what I told uh, Sparks back in the day. <laughs> we're laying the, we're laying the backstory. We're laying the backstory foundation. Right. And this was what, a year or two of this going on? Yeah, so the, the, I I started in high school at Babbage's, so okay. 1998. I'll, you were there longer than me then. I, I, I started there, around three and a half years before. I, yeah, right. So, I think I started 2000 ish, 2001, somewhere around there. Yeah. So you, you've been out way longer than me. Uh, so anyway, uh, so we we've both seen each other around and stuff. Never really had interacted or spoke to each other. Uh, I was working uh working a shift with somebody else. I don't really remember who it was. Uh, then I see uh, Mr. Ryan uh, come in my store. Uh, with a, with a big flyer, so he, he walks in. He's like, "Hey guys, you know, uh, I know uh, you're probably not going to come, but we're ha- we have a big sale going on downstairs. Uh, here you go." I was like, "Oh, okay, okay." On, on action, a McFarland action figure. So, yeah, exactly. A little, little more, little more backstory here. I went to the entire mall. They were the very yeah. They, they were upstairs, <laughs> escalator down. They were at the bottom of the escalator. So but we like, didn't carry action figures at our store at all. Just, just, no. just, just that's okay. part of that's, that's, that's true. so. So I came up there and I strolled up in there. They were the last stop. It was like five minutes till close. Yeah, like, he was being all night. cool, you know, like. <laughs> well, I, I wasn't trying to be cool. I mean, I, I thought that. But. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so at, when he left, I was like, man, that guy has some balls on him. Okay. <laughs> uh, and so then that's that was my very first just interaction with Ryan. You're surprised by Ryan's guts. Yes, I'm surprised by his guts, uh, and, you know, to, to come and throw Because you don't understand, like, the hatred was so bad. It it, it 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 was like Ravens Patriots, you know, kind of. That was my first uh, interaction with Ryan. Uh, so, and then my only interaction with him for a while oh, after. Wait, I got it. It's like Antifa and Proud Boys. It was like that. <laughs> so one existed. All right. So- <laughs> <laughs> All right. So no, no going. So okay. So. So there was the hate, the rivalry, but you saw something in Ryan. The spirit I did. I that like, you wanted okay, to change. I, I like this. I, I respected what he did. Uh, I, I really did. Uh, so I don't know at that point. At that point, some point from then uh, until a later date, uh, my manager at the time recruited Ryan. I can fill this. You can, so, so Ryan can fill in the uh, the gaps. All right. So 
again, trying to summarize this so we don't spend 55 minutes talking about our backstory. Yeah, we got a lot of other um, stuff to talk about. <laughs> right, 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 right. Um, the, the customer base went back and forth. You had loyal customers for certain people and then like at each store. So there was like a person would like like me at, at our store. And if I wasn't working, they'd go upstairs and buy from Scott in that store. That kind of scenario happened a lot. All the time. So I was our one of our best salespeople in the entire like Southeast. Um, so Sparks, our manager, the manager of Scott recruited me. I, I was a key holder at the time, like a supervisor. And he brought me on to be an assistant manager. Now, Oh. I got paid like $4 more an hour, but to the guys downstairs at Babbage's did not go well. Let's put it that way. Benedict Arnold league. So I don't, oh. I have no, I have no proof on this except all I know is that my car did get keyed the day that I started at, e- yep. at electronic. Boutique. Wow. It sure did. Um, maybe sure it's a coincidence. I don't know. I highly now, doubt it. Now the ironic thing about this whole entire story is that the assistant wow. manager at Babbage's is now my brother-in-law. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. Really? Yes. Yeah, I totally yeah. forgot about that. Oh, my gosh. So, that's, that's uh, anyways, insane. it was yeah. really bad blood when that happened. It, it, was, yeah. it was not good. Like the sharks and the jets. Yeah, like the sharks and the jets. Yeah. Got a rocket in my pocket. Stay cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, to help that, to help, <laughs> to help that reference out for those who don't know any Broadway. Uh, yes, we're fancy. Person. We're fancy. We are. I, I'm oh, actually yeah. not. I only know that because I starred in, in that in high school and shattered my nose. But... Plus, you probably picked up some stuff from your wife. How many times yeah, have yeah, you shattered bad. your nose, Ryan? Uh, I have <laughs> broken times? my nose. That, that confirmed broke my nose eight times. That's, I knew it would have been a lot. Yeah. So you then started working up at? Yeah, he started working up at uh, at my store. And it was still, I think it was still Call Electronics Boutique at the time when you yeah, started, it, it right? Was. And we became yeah, best. Yeah, yeah. We became like best. Yeah, we became. Very, very we quickly. instantly became really close. Uh, yeah. It didn't. It didn't take long at all. Uh, and awesome. I think. I think when he started working there, we shared that story. You know, like of when he came to my store. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I was like, yeah, I still remember that man. Uh, and we just went. And now, with twenty years later, we're best friends. We lived together twice. Roommates twice in wet. Well, in yep. my wedding. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Little asterisk to that story is the store you worked at, Ryan was the one that closed first once they became just one store. And it was going to close anyway because the last lady that managed that store, I swear I came down one time and her kids yeah. were there and it looked like a yard sale was going on. Oh, no. Yeah, I remember. I yeah, remember it that. was pretty bad. Well, let's uh, let's now talk how we both know you, Ryan. Okay. Ryan um, so uh, you guys know this, uh, uh, this uh, app called Grinder. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I uh, we we started that back before there was back even an that, app. Yes, but, right, uh, exactly. Uh, Judy, exactly. if you're listening to this right now, um, please don't look up Grinder. Yeah, she would I'm have, sure she, she's she not going with that. She would already is. turned this off at this point. So, <laughs> for those who don't know, my mother, I, I, my mother is in her. And she's a saint. I, I'm almost forty, so we'll just say that I've never heard my mother say a bad word in her entire life. Aww. Yeah. We call her Saint Judith. Saint Judith. Yep. She hates it. She hates me because oh, I'm the I mean, worst. I'm the worst it's person. So yeah. accurate, though. It's so accurate. Anyway, yeah, she waits until you're out of the room, and she goes, "Can you believe what that effing son of mine did?" <laughs> <laughs> if, she, if she does hear you say that, if she hears you say that, you're in so much trouble. If I ever heard Judy Waller say anything remotely like I would that, die. I would die. I would pass out in, I would and die. slip into a coma and probably never wake up. They're good peeps, but so. Me and my brother were at the mall to watch um, Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. This was probably my second or third time watching it. I believe that. I went down to GameStop to pick up a Resident Evil game, got in Code. the theater, and we're watching a movie, 
And for some reason, I kick the bag and I reach down to pick it up and I pull out two copies of the game. I'll remember this. Yeah, yep. so Ryan's giving me two copies of the game. And of course, the devil on my, on my, on my shoulder is like, hey, you can take that one back and put it towards another game. Mm-hmm. But I'm in a movie theater. I'm watching Spider-Man on the screen. He's talking to me. My brother's sitting next to me. And I'm like, you know what? That's not the right thing. I have to do what's the right thing. So I took the game back yep. to Orion. I was. I remember. I was there, too, apparently, because I remember you doing that. And he invited me to come to his house to play games. That's yep. awesome. And well, the rest is history. Maybe and the rest is history, yeah. And, and who knows what happened if you hadn't done, uh, returned that game. So we were. Uh, you kind of mentioned it for a second. When did you start Forthright? Oh, well, okay. Whoa. Sorry. Yeah, we're getting serious now. Yeah, yeah. Now, now we're segueing. Well, into we we kind of cut Boston off for a minute. Oh, yeah, Boston. Oh, sorry, say, buddy. I was just going to say, I've always, I've always thought of this, this new iteration of the podcast as more of a nostalgia-based thing. So the fact that we talked about where y'all met for the first 20 minutes is absolutely appropriate. I like that. I think <laughs> real, that's true. I think real that's nostalgia. <laughs> and I'm yes. going to tell a story real quick because I don't want Boston to feel sad. The first time was the first time I met you at uh, open mic, right? Uh, yes, it had to be in one of the open mics. Yeah, and Boston has this laugh that he'll because he because he'll probably he's probably seen when he um, when he hosts the open mics. A lot of times these open mics, people are working out their material, and some people only have like three or four minutes of material to begin with. So he has to hear the same jokes over and over again every oh, week. Oh. But he's always good audience, or he doesn't go out and just smoke the whole time. He mm-hmm. basically stays in there. He'll work on his material. But you can hear his laugh. His laugh is very, distinct. very stand it, distinct. It's, it stands out in the crowd. Okay. Um, is it is it jovial? I think I think it's pretty jovial. I because I I tell people too whenever one of the running gags becomes well Boston liked it, <laughs> <laughs> but I've had to I had to explain to people, have you heard the shit that it comes out of my mouth, the filth that comes out of my mouth into that microphone? I'm not your target audience. You don't want me to be the only person who likes it. Like, mm, work you're on like, it. You're bit. like HBO actually cut me off. I was so crude. I mean, I'm gonna show. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, I. Now, I make Robin Williams seem godly. Yeah. <laughs> well, the first time I ever met Boston, I was actually a guest on this. Well, not this particular podcast, but the previous version of it. That was my uh, first time I ever met Boston. That was when we were doing it live. We did it live, right? Like at the the dude's house. Yeah, it was at the guy's house. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, in the the small studio there. Yeah. Yeah. That that studio which in the summer was horrendous. Oh. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, um, I I just want to tell us about how I met Boston because oh, this is really let's, cool. Let's hear it. Yeah, so yeah. So the yeah. first time I met Boston was about 37 minutes ago. Oh, really? <laughs> that's that's pretty nostalgic. Yeah. I want to hear and, the, I want to hear this. Well, so so I was trying to connect into Zencaster, which is the software that mm-hmm. never works correctly. And no, I'm just kidding, it's actually great. Um, <laughs> but uh, I hop in and there's this guy talking, and I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, but the names don't make sense as I'm looking at the screen. So right. I turn my camera on, and he kindly turns his camera on so that I'm not the only person on camera. And I felt very valued as a as a guest on the show because Aww. of Boston. There so, you go, Boston. Thank you, Boston. Way to make our guests feel valuable. Yep, you thought you were trying to connect with Zencaster, and the whole time you were connecting with us. Mm-hmm. It's it's not, oh. not, it's not as nostalgic; it's heartwarming. It is. Yeah, yeah. but heartwarming. Um, and speaking of that, because we did change the kind of podcast from just video games, there's gonna be a lot of video game talk in this, just because of the nature of what Ryan does. But I think it's fascinating. I think even people that 
aren't as into video games, I think is going to get a lot out of like this podcast, like listening to the hard work and effort it goes into this industry, the industry I'm of video right games. Now, I have apps. seen. It's actually just sadism. You just have to like, hate yourself, and you know. Yeah, and you're good. I can't. Great. I can't go to job. Waller and go, "Hey, I worked forty hours this week. I'm beat." Because yeah, Waller like, going, no. "I've not slept in four days." Right. <laughs> I, I, I've worked. What's it? It's Thursday right now. I've probably worked. 70 hours this week already or more actually yeah if ryan works 40 hours that's a he's it's like he's on vacation yeah and you're not even getting a paycheck unless what you're working on actually hits that's correct we only if it makes money do we get money yeah so think about that next time that you want to cry about your 40 hours of work (laughs) (laughs) that you actually get that you actually get paid for yeah i actually Uh. i actually spent money for five years and spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on ip out of my pocket to get the ball rolling and took on investor money so it's uh it it's uh yeah that was fun so so let's let's start about your beginnings ryan like how did you get into uh, making video games and how did you start your your company and can can it kind of go from there yes so i've always kind of been an entrepreneur and when i was in middle school and high school middle school i ran a bulletin board system that actually made pretty good money uh i licensed games like and set up them and people would connect to the bulletin board for those who don't know that's pre-internet <clears throat> people would have modem to modem direct connection peer to peer some of our younger uh, listeners will never know have no idea what we're talking about right now yeah you're not you are missing out but you're not missing out like there's right. the, the nostalgia side of it's great um but it, it gave my love for entrepreneurship um and then when i ended up moving to nashville i started a music management company and did that for a while until I had a relationship that ended and came back to the beautiful city of Knoxville. Um, and kind of started the company in 2000, I think actually officially it was 2007 of April, um, April 2007. And uh, eventually got into mobile apps. Got now, where mobile. did you come up with the name, the forthright entertainment? Being in the music business, um, which is notoriously not forthright. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, what? It, it made me a it's a personal value of mine you know i want to be honest and ethical and so um it just it, it stemmed from that it stemmed from the bad experiences in the music industry actually there was a situation i learned a valuable lesson about contracts when i was in the music business where um we when i first got started we didn't have a contract in place and there the band said I, we said this amount and i said this amount for for doing shows and so it just, I learned a lesson in that situation where I was like, okay, well, then I need to make sure that, you know, you do what's right because it's right. And so that's kind of where Forthright came from. And so, um, so anyway, fast forward, I started the company and did some, some indie film stuff actually initially, but it really initially got started, but that wasn't what I wanted to do. And I got into mobile the, the, when the Apple came out and started doing mobile stuff. Um, what was your first Apple app that you did? My first Apple app? Yeah, the first app that was just straight up forthright entertainment. Time with God. It was a it was a religious tracking app that did really well in the Middle East, and that's about it. I uh, remember that one. Yep. So that checks um, out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it actually allowed like PDF report exporting, so you could like track like like um, like prayer requests or when to pray and like different things. And so people, it was kind of kind of a unique feature at the time. Um, I worked on some other people's stuff as well, but then I got, I got into, as I affectionately say, I, I, I ruined the app store because I got was one of the, not the first, one of the early adopters of app reskinning. 
um, and made a good amount of money in licensing source code for app reskinning. And what's um, that? What's app reskinning? It's where you make a game. So let's say you make like, like an endless runner game, right? Like okay. Temple. And you take the source code and you put new graphics on it and call it a new thing. So it's, uh, you know, it's Temple Runner. Now it's Penguin Runner. And now it's, you know, Dungeon Runner. Okay. It's the same source. So people can then license that. They'll pay you for a license and then they can reskin it and use the source code for themselves for their own product. And they're able to get around that legally? Like you can make a Mario game, but just instead of Mario, put in Hario? No, they, they, no, no, no. So they'd have to make their own original content, but okay. I'm giving them the legal rights to the source code. Ooh. So they're getting yeah. a license to the source code. Okay, okay. So Yeah, um, pretty much that's that's all that Unity shops are nowadays. Yeah, some Unity shops are, yeah, especially in, in, in some of the foreign countries that are that are that have outsourcing centers. Um, so we moved into core gaming. Uh, I realized that I didn't know enough about the industry so I reached out to a guy that I really respected, kind of one of my like idols when I was studying game design, like production, uh, a guy named Ken Rossman. Uh, and we connected in Atlanta, went down there. He was speaking at a conference and I went down there and we had lunch and I asked if he'd mentor me. Uh, and he was like, yep, I'll do that. And so we, he start, it started off as mentorship, turned to friendship. And then we have launched, Forthright went from essentially a, sole proprietorship into an LLC at the time. Um, and then as we scaled up, we did some PC games. We invested in some other games. And then we moved into a, a C-Corp as we launched our publishing arm. So, um, so when, sorry, when you were uh, just doing the apps, so you didn't go into like any like mentor or anything like that. You just kind of learned that as you went. Uh, yes and no. Uh, I learned as I went, but I got connected with good communities. There were some okay. good Facebook communities. Um, Actually, a lot of the people that I met in there, I'm still Facebook friends with and, and some really great people uh, that got into that same space and just kind of um, learned together, shared knowledge together. Uh, because this is like right as YouTube was just starting off, you know, it wasn't super, super, um, it's like you could just pull up anything and have resources on it, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah. That, so, I mean, the answer is we kind of grew together. Okay. Um so, I mean, I, I would say there was some component where we all kind of mentored each other and we, where we knew a, a strength of ours versus somebody else's. Um, but we, I transitioned out of mobile space as EA began to really step into the mobile space and game loft. Mm. Um, the user acquisition costs, or UA, just they became so astronomical. So when I first started doing mobile games, I could buy a user acquisition. I could spend 10 to 25 cents and get a new user. Well, by the time that I got out of that space, it was moving to the six, seven dollars in the gaming space, oh. which it's, it's now twenty and thirty bucks in some cases for UA, uh, and, for mobile UA. And at that point, when you were first doing it too, Apple was—I mean, they're probably still—but they were very stringent with stuff that they would let out, right? Like I remember there were yes. times where you just would get like feedback back, and you didn't understand really like what does Apple want you to change, just to get like on the actual store, right? Uh, I had that. And my two of my first three apps, by the third yeah. one, I, I I had I had the process pretty well down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Partially, they had their process better down as well as well. Um, yeah. But it, it, yeah, there was definitely some challenges there. Um, you just learn a lot. I mean, I, you know, I'm basically doing it on my own. So you're testing theories on your own. You're testing processes on your own. Um, and so you know, you're trying out. Uh, one of my when I started licensing source code, I realized that I had, in order to get the source code to be valuable, I had to make it be top in the app store, right? Like, it, well, 
I quickly realized that I can't afford to make it top of the app store in you know the United States or United Kingdom. So I would target like 20 or 30 like tier two countries. So like Italy and Canada and Brazil and you know Argentina, okay, I like that. New Zealand. Next time that one of those countries smart mouths us, I'm gonna say, uh, "You're a tier two country." <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I I I say that in regards at the time to, to yeah. mobile user base customer. So you know when you say you didn't have the money. Do you mean like you have to put in so much advertising before they'll put you up there on the store or just like you have to get that much of a, a um, community or a fan base? No, no, you, no, no. I mean, really, really user base. I mean, there, okay. there is some, I actually, this is an area that I was not good at the time. I, I should have built, if I was building more quality things, I probably could have built a, a better fan base out. I was, I was intentionally trying to create source code and games that would be easy for people to just to reskin. Mm-hmm. So more complex things are, you know, that, that would be better quality. I, you know, I was trying to spend between ten and twenty-five thousand on a production instead of a hundred thousand or two, you know, at the okay. time. So, um, like, I mean, there was one game that I it made me it cost me three thousand dollars to make, and it ended up being my third best grossing product. So, and it was my number one selling licensed source code. Which so, one was that? Um, what was it called now? Magic Eye. Uh, Magic yeah, Eye the, Pro. I was thinking of that one because that was a cool one. Um, I really dug it, that one. It, it did really well. I mean, it 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 crossed million, over a million downloads, and so, um, but yeah, I mean, um, it was it was there's just I, mean, I could go into a whole show about just this alone. Yeah. Um, there was a group that I got connected with called the App Empire, which is this guy named Chad Moretta, and I got into it really passionate. But I was already doing a lot of stuff he was doing. He just was the one that was smart to put together and sell to other people. Mm. <laughs> the the how to do side of it, you know. <laughs> I became disillusioned with mobile. I wanted to do more real gaming as well. Um, so it just kind of grew and we, you know, we, so when we you did struck this conver- yeah. uh, friendship with uh, Ken and what has Ken does, has Ken done anything in the past that we would know? Yeah. He was the executive producer on Neverwinter nights, the 2000 version. Okay. He, he ran um, radical entertainment. Uh, actually he was running radical entertainment at the time that this all was going on. They okay. were working on, Oh, what's that called? Um, and I love Neverwinter Night series, by the way. That, that's a, uh, that's awesome. I oh, think yeah, yeah. Boston okay. does too, because I saw Boston. I saw him perk up there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So this is 2010. So so Ken ran Radical when they when they did Prototype Two. Oh, nice. So Prototype Two was, was a great game. It got drowned out by PlayStation's very similar game. And what's funny is like a year and a half, about six months after they closed the studio. Uh, people were like, "This game's really good. Why did we not play this earlier?" And, and you know, if it had, if people had caught it sooner, it would have changed definitely Ken's direction, I'm sure. Um, yeah, because it, it uh, infamous, infamous did kind of overshadow it, didn't it? Yeah, it did, because they were very similar mechanic structured. Um, anyway, so, um, well, I'm sorry. What's your question? I, I got to start talking about radical. I got confused. no. So you, oh. um, I was just asking. So Ken Rossman was really in the business at that point with you. And I mean, he still, he still is, but, but it was good to get a mentor that was in the business and had, and could help you get into certain doors. Been in the business since the mid early nineties. So, yeah. you know, almost 20 years at that point. And, and just a, an honest, hardworking, ethical, likable guy, you know, I mean, there's this kid from Coryton, Tennessee, and he's, <laughs> you know, a, a gaming executive at, you know, he took me under his wing uh, and really taught me a lot. Uh, Ken, by the way, is our CEO now. So I stepped okay. down as CEO, and he we we put him in as CEO. So cool. Ken, and then my dad and I and Ken all kind of co-founded the the incorporation side of it. So okay. Um, yeah. Anyway, so fast forward, uh, we tried to do some 
two really big deals. We bought, we, we spent a lot of money um, on an IPE that um, uh, Beast of Prey game that we had two deals for. Both deals ended up falling through last minute. Um, so that game's still in the works. There's been a lot to it, but it's kind of backburnered right now. Um, that that has very that has a lot of potential. I've, I've oh, you know, especially I've, with Valheim. Like like like. I mean, it, this is it, it's it, what I know. What I I know the survival game space really well. I. I it's just about getting the right amount of money because it's a lot of money and it take the investment on we need for that as an individual company. We'd have to give up a lot of the company and I'm just not ready for that yet. So, And what kind of game is So it's a survival game? It's It was a dinosaur game originally. Okay. Like base building. It was one of the very first four survival games. It was Rust, The Stomping Lands, Beast of Prey, and there's someone else I'm forgetting, but on Steam. And um, so we got that in... Uh, we have taken it and we have developed a phenomenal world around that because there wasn't a lot of lore to the game at the mm-hmm. time. And I, I have to I agree. Really, I've, I've tested it before. It's 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 nice. I I really want to get more of that out there. I think we will soon. To be very frank, but um, that's a that that'll be a whole other podcast. <laughs> so um, look, we Ryan, that... gonna, we're going to bring you back. You don't have to keep dropping. These... <laughs> uh, no, <laughs> I'm just saying, like, just initially this is leaving hangers for us. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm not trying to. I apologize. Was Um, Beast of Prey before or after? Because I remember there was that period when you were still living in Corrington where you all had been, were working on that, um, that role-playing game. It was in the middle of that. That was kind of like keep, that's like a keep busy, occupy kind of thing. Yeah. Um, That uh, was a cool experience whenever I'd walk into your uh, house and that whole back room was basically just set up with all those different computers and everybody. Like like like, a a mini office of five people crammed (laughs) in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Working on that game. Anyway, so fast forward, uh, we start putting a, a better team together. With Beast of Prey, there was a really large company um, that was on board. We had a, a production partner. Like, we were going to be the creative, and they are going to do the work out of Poland. And it come to find out that that person hadn't been honest about what they mm. had in Poland. And the whole thing kind of unraveled at the time. Um, thank God that it did, because I, I just, I mean, it was... Uh, not to disparage that people, but they just weren't really honest or ethical. They're kind of the antithesis of what we were uh, wanting to be. And so... Not the uh, people of Poland. <laughs> not the people of Poland. Yeah. The, the, the Polish me. Studios <laughs> leadership team. Which well, actually... I don't, I don't know. CD Projekt Red. On a serious note about that, I just want to say that all the people that worked so hard on that project are so mad at the leadership team because they knew it wasn't ready. And yeah. so the, the people actually... Yeah. The people that made the game. Yeah, poor yep. management, poor because um, it was just basically pushed out just for the uh, the suits and the stockholders, wasn't it? I mean, it's made for the I mean, suits. That, I mean, that it, that's how it looks to me because it definitely it definitely wasn't ready, and they knew it wasn't. Yeah, I know. I, I agree. I mean, I, I just I feel you, you never want to have your name attached to a product that looks bad, especially because people. I, I don't care how bad a game is, somebody worked their rear end off to make that happen, and like, yeah, I know that consumers don't care. But when you work in the industry, you know how much work, I mean, you know how many hours, how much time you sacrifice from friends and family to make something happen. And so yeah. to work on a game of that quality, like CD Projekt Red is not considered a great work environment, right? Like, mm-hmm. yeah. but people want to work there because you're working on one of the top, you know, two, you know, branded Just games with Rockstar. in the world. Yeah. Well, Rockstar's yeah. considered a little better work environment than, I mean, uh, yeah. That's, well, they that's had issues when Red Dead came out, Red Dead 2. There was a lot of like issues with, the crunch time and things like that. Listen, I, part of that is that people just crunch to me, I guess I'm old school. Like that's just part of it, man. Like if a game has to get out, you're going to put in lots of hours. Um, I, there is an unhealthy level of crunch. And there's unhealthy when you're controlling and want people to let people leave. 
that's a different situation. But like, but I admire what Nintendo did with the Animal Crossing is they cut back the crunch time and just let the game come out later. But not not every company has the ability to do that, right? I mean, when you're trying to like, I I respect these companies that have that have these huge budgets, right? Because like people yeah. say, oh well, they're worth billions of dollars. They're worth billions of dollars in the sense of their stock market's value. Yeah. But the actual cash flow can be radically different. And so, you know, when you're supporting a team of 500 or 1,000 people, you got to get a product out or you can't yeah. pay people. And so, now, like, you know, I, I, I understand the challenges. I, I think some of that's poor leadership. I think mm-hmm. a lot of it – games always take longer to develop. I don't care what you want to say. It's going to take longer. <laughs> if someone pitches a game to me and, like, we're going to have this game out in 18 months. Okay, so 24 months or 36 months. Like, you know yeah. – <laughs> Um, Which is why I'm I, I always love watching some of the game jams and the things that people can do, like th- the ones that are like, "What can you do in 24 hours?" All right, yeah. let's find out. Like those are just fun to. Uh, Itchio is one of my favorite places right now. Yeah, because yeah. there's, there's a lot of creativity from the gamey the gamer perspective side of things. I've never understood the outrage that gamers have when something's delayed. I, please delay a game if, if that's going to you know make it work, yeah. not be glitchy when it comes out. I would much rather wait. Yeah, it's not so like you get like you, it's not like you don't get twenty games a week that come out right now. I, I actually I actually have a really big theory about that, which is it is the byproduct of conditioning that happened from the Electronics Boutique, GameStop, Funko Land, where you pre-order these games, right? So you're buying right. these games in advance and you're putting the money down and you're excited about it, and then it gets delayed six months. Yeah, that's that's right? a good point. Nowadays, it's just it's it's they're supposed to be outraged. Like it just kind of evolved out of that, and now. Instead of logically saying, yeah, I'd rather the product get delayed, like Mighty Fight Federation, our product that came out today. Which we are going to be talking about. We could have launched that in September. We could have launched in October. We chose to refine things, make things better, push it back. We looked at the market and said, we don't want to launch it in, in Christmas season, so let's push it back some more. So we, we were strategic in that. And we had the luxury of, of that because my, my production partner at Comey Games, they weren't like broke for cash, so they could also do, do you know, have that product delayed. So we're yeah. able to make it great, not just good, but great and really highly polished, right? Um, that was a tactical decision, and I think it was the right decision. But not everyone has that luxury. If your studio's about to close, you're like, let's put the game out. Yeah, and then that's that's the part that I hate because they're looking at the now and not later. Because a lot of the companies, you put the game out now, and it's bad. It's got bugs. It's it's not where it needs to be. That's going to be so bad on your company. And you're going to lose money that you could potentially make down the road for something that you're trying to get right now. Potentially. They're, they're, it's, like it's, BioWare is still trying to get the the fans back on their side. I think this week they finally had to shut down Anthem. They, yeah, they think they finally they finally pulled the plug on Anthem. I'm surprised it took that long. <laughs> Same. Well, I, I'll say this. Uh, and this isn't me being like cocky or arrogant. I think a lot of people don't understand the actual business dynamics that happen. So, you know, it's easy to say, oh, they just rushed the game out. But you can also make a decision. You can, you can delay it and miss the tactical window that it should be released at this point because the market's ready for it. Yeah. And so, like, there, there's a fine line, and, and, and that's – we like in everything, right? We broad stroke, like, you know, oh, this person's that or that person's this or this product's that. But it's rarely that. It's usually very finite decisions or, or these thin lines that divide success from failure. And and a lot of that comes down to management. It does. Some of that comes down to luck. I mean, like... Oh, luck you, is a big part of it. But I mean, it, just it like... It absolutely is. As as a man, as an ex-manager, 
it's management. Um, management I, drives most most things. It's a it's a lot of failure on on the manager's part. But I I agree with what you say that yeah, there's a lot of making sure you get that right window to release the game and when the market's ready for it. But I think just personally with Anthem, from everything that I've seen, I wish I could have got a chance to actually play it. But from what I've seen, it was we're better than Destiny. Okay, prove it. No. <laughs> okay, so so this is back. EA had a period of four years where they were just like, "Can we take? Can we destroy our company? Is it? Can yeah, we right. ruin our company?" Right. So yeah. we had the Anthem situation. You had the Battlefront Two situation. You you know you had all these oh, loot the boxes. Oh, oh and my like, god! Like after Battlefront Two, something two dynamics happened. Number one is, and no one talks about this. It was clearly executive management and, and stock market driving elements that that forced. Battlefront 2 to come out the way it came out. The creative team fixed that problem in four days after launch. Okay, guys, that means that the leadership team in the mm-hmm. development cycle knew that they had to fix that because it was going to explode. And they had yep. it prepped and ready, or that game would have been totally ruined. By the way, if you haven't got a chance to play it, the game is awesome now. Go play yeah. it. It's, it's a great game now. I yeah. think so, I was so pissed about the whole situation. I was too. I refused to even spend a dollar on the game. And I, and it's, it's free on Game Pass right now, and I still have yet to download it. I, I have it. I have it on Epic Game Store for free, so I'm gonna go try it out. Some yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. It's, they made a good game out of it, but yeah, you're right. If they were able to, if they listened to them earlier, this whole negative stuff would never happen, and the game would have probably been a hit. Well, so I I want to give EA's leadership team credit because they learned from that situation. They listened to the development people. Yeah, like Squadrons was great. So was um, uh, Fallen Order. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Oh, that was great. I was too. I was actually, I was about to say that after Titanfall 2 came out and pretty much single-handedly saved EA on a lot of fronts, uh, they've pretty much been letting Respawn do whatever the fuck they want. But yeah. Between Apex Legends, Titanfall 2, and Fallen Order, uh, Respawn Entertainment has been holding, has been like carrying EA. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, they said here, uh, <laughs> Fallen Order sold 10 million copies. Mm-hmm. There's no loot boxes, nothing, nothing microtransactions in, in, that, in that game. Yes, yes. So if we rewind back in the history a little bit, before the Xbox 360 and the PlayStation 3, there was no patching. Your game had to be on point when it went to the gold presses to have the discs made to go to retail. Yep. yep. The minute that they were able to start patching games onto consoles is when everything began to unravel. Now, you combine that with the fact that gaming in the 90s was essentially, even though EA was corporate, gaming was, I own my company, I make a game. When EA and Activision became stock market traded products that had a quarterly profits to, to hit, that combined with patching created this, this perfect storm environment where people start rushing games out. We don't have to QA it so well. We can patch it later. And the first real God big, damn it, Bethesda. The first the first real, real red flag of this was Assassin's Creed Unity. When they mm. put Unity out and you had characters and they have faces, those eyeballs, and like it was just a train wreck, right? It yeah. was the it was Cyberpunk before Cyberpunk. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it wasn't that bad. But it was pretty bad at the time. It was, it was bad really enough bad. that it hurt that franchise uh, it into set, Syndicate. Set it back tremendously. Yeah. And the next game suffered for it. Um, but that is just one example. There's a lot of examples you can point to. So in my, this is just my opinion based on what I look at, but that, that's what I see that happened. And so as we look at, um, 
you know, the evolution of that. And then we look at these quarterly profits, EA, you know, you're having these huge teams, you're pushing these huge games and you look at this and say, okay, this game is two and a half months out from being perfect, but we can release it now and patch it and we'll still get the same sales. We can hit our quarterly revenues. So like people hate to push out of past the holidays into the first of the year because it's a new quarter for most companies. That's a new quarter for them. And so they'll try to get it out and rush these timeframes. And so, um, you know, that trend was really happening a lot. And to the point that gamers were not trusting AAA games anymore, any AAA. And then you know, Fallout 76 came out and had a ton of problems, right? And so, like, it was just a series of these major AAA games that just had a, were just such letdowns and disappointments to the consumer, which gave rise to this huge wave of creative indies. Now, what's interesting, in my opinion, is that AAA people can't take as big of risks because they have a built-in market and they can only alternate and vary and do variations so much, right? But a five-man team can come and do some really cool stuff because they're taking a risk that, that a company that's worth a billion dollars has to put a billion dollars out, you know, a billion dollar Call of Duty franchise out can't do. And, and well, that's back to why you, there's so many sequels to AAA games because like, it's, it's a known success for them when they're not going to risk something absolutely. new. Absolutely. But I, I, going back to to the point of other failures, Call of Duty lost its way, right? You have this like, space running, jumping off walls. It was no longer Call of Duty. And to their credit, Halo. Yeah, to their credit, they also saw that. And a lot of people, I had this conversation four years ago saying, look, they know it, but their three studios are six, you know, three and six years out from the next product already happening, right? So, like, yeah. it, it took two more games coming out before they started rewriting the ship with the the last, with Modern Warfare, and then they had Cold War, which has been great, right? So, I And think, the, the, all the expansions so far are free. Uh, yes. It's the first time I've ever seen them do that. So, you, you know, part of that is listening to consumer. Part of that is needing to regain consumer trust. And, and so... I feel like the gaming AAA space has moved in some better directions. The cyberpunk being this clear exception, but cyberpunk really, I think gamers recognize that it's a unique situation. It's not every AAA studio, you know, it's, it's, I think it's so shocking because the other games are good, right? Yeah. Uh, Well, actually the let's, let's be, let's be honest. Witcher three dropped with a bunch of bugs and they got patched until it was amazing. Witcher three, when it was launched, is not Witcher 3 today. I agree, but right. it wasn't broken. And Witcher 1 and Witcher 2 are both still garbage. <laughs> like, hey, honestly, I actually really like The Witcher 2. Actually, I, I just played I it too. last year. I, I never beat it until last year. So I, I, en- I enjoyed it. I, it, was one of those, it was one of those games of where I, I saw what they were trying to do and the bar they were trying to reach yeah. and how they, like, I was like, did you, you play made a good effort. Did you play you made a good effort. three? I played. I've. I still haven't played three. Oh, okay, okay. I played. I played, but I played through. But I got halfway through one and two before the combat system made me throw the throw my keyboard. I couldn't go back and play two now. I don't think mm. after playing three. No. Uh, but when I was playing two, I, I actually really enjoyed it. Yeah. So yeah, it's like trying to go back and play uh, Silent Hill one again with those <laughs> tank right. controls. Oh, I tried Resident Evil. Or Resident Resident Evil, Evil one. Oh my yeah. goodness. <laughs> So that's one question I was wondering about is because I listen to another podcast. There's other podcasts out there, which blows my mind. But they're doing a replay through Final Fantasy VI. Uh, two of the people have never played it before. The other person thinks it's the greatest game of all time. The two people that have never played it for do not like it as much because it has a lot of the, you know, the gameplay mechanics of the of the, that era. Where yeah. like um, you basically take two steps and you get in a random battle. How they had to do all the acting with the hands just going crazy. 
I kind of wonder sometimes, because some of these games are not replayable because of what we're used to now, does it dim diminish a little bit of their classicness? That we have to wait for like remakes and we can't enjoy the originals. It's like it's not like that with movies. Like movies, we can say, "Oh, Wizard of Oz is great." We don't have to say, "I only like the remake of Wizard of Oz." Well, I, I mean, I, I think that there's not a clear answer to this because that's gonna be it's gonna be very subjective, right? Like, um, but collectively, the difference is that video games are interactive, right? A, a movie is consumed, a video game is interacted with, and so like I had this happen. Speaking of Jedi Fallen Order, I. I was in love with it. I played it. I'm a huge Call of Duty player, right? I play Call of Duty a lot. I play inverted on Call of Duty, all right? Because I'm a PC guy, so my console playing is inverted. Um, I got, I, I just burned through, I mean, I spent like a week and a half, two weeks straight just playing through Jedi Fallen Order because I loved it. I did like 100%, trying to get 100% and stuff. When I switched back to Call of Duty, I couldn't play it. I was awful. I could not play the game. Like my brain could not fix because I couldn't invert the control structure on, on Jedi Fallen Order. It's not an option to invert it. And so as I adjusted to that, I couldn't readjust back to Call of Duty. And I'm a really good Call of Duty player, right? It took me almost two weeks of garbage Call of Duty playing to get my Call of Duty back. And Man. I say that as a scenario of we're used to better control mechanics. Halo yeah. 2, Halo and Halo 2 radically changed controller interface they were mm -hmm. the the hey, if you go back right now halo still plays well it's not as fast but the controls are so smooth they it changed how people expect controls to be handled and right. so when you go back to a game like resident evil resident evil 2 silent hill tomb raider 1 and 2 uh even try to go back to well yeah definitely tomb raider but try to go back to like socom or yeah, uh, uh battlefront battlefront uh 1942 the, yeah who? Ho. <laughs> well, and, and that's my point, right? Like, if you kept playing it, you would adjust to it again. It'd be okay. But it, you don't want to. It's like learning the game all over. It's, it's almost more frustrating because you know the game, but you can't play the game you can't know. Can't play it, yeah. And so it... I, I'm definitely going to agree with you because I've been switching between, for, for various reasons, I've been switching between uh, Apex Legends, Overwatch, and Control. Oh, Control's and... so fun. They all three play very differently. Now, I have actively went through and remapped all my buttons so that it's mostly the same, but mm -hmm. I have to remind myself, like, oh, no, no, this is dodge now. Okay, cool. Like, yeah. I have to, it takes me about 10 minutes of just going, like, running around in circles in each game going, okay, what are, what are the buttons again? What are the buttons again? Cool. Yeah, but it goes back, I think, one of those nostalgia things. A lot of times when you remember a game from their past, go, oh, my God, that game is so great, and then you play it today with, like, modern in a modern era, and you're like, Oh, this game is horrible. Bring everything together real quick. Uh, I have met a lot of people recently similar to how you did not like, well, we won't talk about that, uh, cer certain movies that no, did not sit how, well with you. He knows you. hate Boondock okay, Saints cool. now. So, so, so how you hate Boondock Saints? <laughs> yeah. I, saw, I saw it when I was young and impressionable and thought it was the, one of the greatest movies ever. I have met people who have watched Gone with the Wind and went, this is garbage. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I have watched, you know, uh, uh, Rear Window and some of these other just classic films yeah. and went, my brother is the same way with Princess Bride. Okay, yeah. Princess Bride is the only movie that no one can, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, 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 but this goes back to, A, the beauty of humanity, which is that we are very diverse. Like, people have different yeah. interests. And, and as a creator of content, um, one of the things that I really appreciate is that I may make a product that 50 million people like, maybe 800 people like it, 
someone's going to like it, right? Like, as a business side of me, yeah, I want to make enough that people are going to buy it that I'll make money and, you know, not go bankrupt. But um, but you also you know, want to be true to yourself. Yeah, I, absolutely. Well, I mean, part of it, I actually say it's true to what you set out for. What I mean by that is if your goal is to make a successful commercial product, then that may be different than I want to make, make an indie darling, right? Like, yeah. And so it's about being true to the product. And we, we always do this at Forthright is we want to – the product. does this make our product better? Well, the, the number one answer is, well, what is the product's goal? If I can't establish what the goal of the product is supposed to be, then I can't answer that fundamental question. And that question should design every design decision, every marketing decision, everything we're doing about the product. Does this make the product better? So if the four of us are making a game and we have agreed that X, Y, and Z is what the game's ultimate goal is. Okay, so Ryan, or so Waller, does your does this – I have to ask myself this. You guys ask me this. Does what I'm proposing to this product go to this goal? And if the answer is no, then the answer is, well, should it? And if we all say yes, and that's a different scenario, then it changes the ob objective a little bit. But that's really rare. It usually is, no, it doesn't. Okay, then. You got to let it go. And so, you know, I, I use it to say films are very much that way too, right? Like, how many of these indie films that, like, critics love that the general public's like, barf, this is awful, right? Yeah. Or or, or it's the reverse. That's uh, The critics hate it, but, the, but we love it. That's very common, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's something I never thought about until you just – the way you phrased it just then – of course, there are going to be certain indie films that were made by off-the-wall directors that critics are going to fucking love because critics have to watch so many goddamn movies yeah. that, that are usually the same yeah. trite over and over again. So when something completely off-the-wall happens, they're like, yes, more of that. Yeah. Whereas yeah. the general populace is like, well, where's my where's – my, Where's my other my new Call of Duty? Where's see, my new? Yeah, they see Resident so many Evil. soulless movies that are mainly just made as big uh, summer temples. Well, I'll, I'll use I'll use an example of two films that. Where's my Transformers? Ha that have cult followings, <laughs> right? But part of the reason that they have cult followings, part of the reason that they are culturally relevant, is because they stood out in a in an era of time. The first one is The Clockwork Orange. It's a garbage movie. I can't yes. stand the movie. Oh, it's so bad. But yeah. if you if you look at what it was at the time, you understand why it has significance and why and why it's culturally still relevant, right? The other one, which I think has way is way more popular, still a cult favorite, is the Rocky Horror Picture Show. So yep. the Rocky Horror Picture Show has aged better than the Clockwork Orange because the culture has yeah. actually. Drifted. I, I think it has. But it's culturally. also found a way a smart way to stay relevant too. Yes, it has. Um, well, actually, the fans have found a smart way to make it relevant. Yeah, um, but the but the movie makers just went were smart to go with it. Yeah, I agree. It's kind of like Mark Hamill. He'll like make fun of me or Chuck Norris, right? Like yeah. Most, there are so many actors that if the Chuck Norris memes got going, they'd be so panties in a wad, right? And yeah. Chuck's like, all right, sure, let's go with it. You know, like. Um, but I say to say is things hit, and they hit at a time where they can stand out and they can have legs, right? So yeah. gaming is different from film and people don't realize this the video game industry is larger than the entire movie film and most professional sports in the united states combined oh yeah gta okay? 5 is the best-selling product of anything ever yeah right yeah. I mean, like yep. so and that game came out when when is it uh, 2011 2013 and it is still making money well, it's like yeah. it's like yep. it's like Skyrim, right? With Skyrim's on everything, right? I'm playing Skyrim on my Apple Watch now. You know, like 2013. I mean, 2013. Okay. Skyrim yeah. so came seven, out. Yeah, seven years, eight years now. Skyrim came out 11, 11, 11. I was married in 2011. My one of my best friends, Jed McKeon, and I sat outside the GameStop 
in the line in the freezing cold waiting for that product. I took three days off of work and I just played it nonstop. And I still play Skyrim to this day. There's one of the sad things a lot of kids are never going to have to experience anymore is the hanging outside waiting for a game. To it was really fun. <laughs> yes. uh, my, my prediction. Oh, Burning Crusade. It'll come full circle somewhere at some point. It's like arcades are coming back, right? Like people want that tactile interaction. And anyway, I, I, I yeah. digress. So I, I going back to the original kind of thing, people have different interests, different draws. Culture and time has cycles. And there's different interests and different things at the time, right? Like I remember for, for, for years, PC gaming is dead. The consoles have replaced PC games. They will never PC game will never recover. We'll surprise everybody. Guess what? That is not true, right? PC Master Race. So, and and you know, it, it you you just can't sit there and say like you look some of the, some of these statements people have made. You look and look at. You're like, man, you were dumb. You were so dumb. <laughs> like, but I think I think that's also a necessary feature of uh, most of the industries, though, is to to make those outrageous and bombastic statements. Sure. Uh, even like right now, what's the one of the big memes on uh, the internet is the whole uh, Gen Z taking shots at millennials, and it's like that's not all of them. Like, yeah. like there's, there were a couple, and everyone's making a big deal out of it about now, but it wasn't really a. It's not a thing. It's just fine. Like no, let it go. I I actually believe in the silent majority and pretty much everything. And what I mean by that is like it is always the vocal people that drive culture or drive the internet specifically, right? whether it's politics or whether it's films or whether it's games like, and I look at game reviews. I'll use this as an example, right? All it takes is 10% of the community to collectively move the, kind of like this GameStop stuff with, with Robin hood, 10% of these people to move the needle. And then the whole narrative is that even though most people may not feel that way or even care, suddenly this is the fact. And this is the, and this is the relevancy of this. Pro- this is a garbage game. Yeah, okay, it's that just like when people say, game. oh, gaming is toxic now. No, that's just a loud minority of people. Yeah, I, I do think certain games are more toxic than others. Oh, yeah, certain games will kind of like... Um, <coughs> By daylight. Kind of call, yeah, kind of call to the toxicity. Well, I also think people think it's cool to be... Like, there, there's this, this, this group think, right? That starts happening, which is, oh, it's funny. You know, I'm 15 years old. I'm going to call this girl a whore. It's funny. You know, I just beat a girl. In a, and it's like, like my wife, when we play Call of Duty... My wife... It, my wife. My wife, um, I like. She is, she, this is not an exaggeration. My wife is verbally sexually assaulted every single wow. night that she plays Call of Duty. Every single night. And now, she I, also meets awesome people, right? Is it partly also because she is really good at the game and, and some of these asshole guys are, can't take it? Oh, I got beat by a girl. I, I, is that I, part I, of it? I will say that I think that People feel empowered to be a dick when they when they yeah. be neutral and they you don't like ninety nine percent of those people would never say anything to your face like that. At if all. you saw you, imp- yeah, yes. yeah. Stain has this song called um, "Wannabe," which is I won't say it's, it's pretty vulgar, but his whole point is like, I'm selling records. What is it that you do sitting in your mama's basement? Right, it's my name up on the marquee. Like I'm the one that did the work. I'm the one that's busted my butt. I'm the one that has fans. What are you doing, right? And and I think that a lot of people feel that way about people that, that sit down and, and attack. And, yeah. you know, I, I come from a it's pretty... It's so easy to do that when you, you're hiding behind a computer or a microphone, you know. And yeah. I also think people are not intellectually honest. And so oh, yeah. you get stuck in groupthink. And it's like, if 
if your mother heard what you were saying, would you ever say in front of your mom? No, you wouldn't. So why are you saying that right now to my wife? Right? Like, mm-hmm. and there is an element where I do think that certain types of games bring toxicity more than other games, right? Animal Crossing, not a very toxic community. Actually, a pretty awesome community. <laughs> right. Fight, so, Mighty Fight, we haven't talked about Mighty Fight Federation yet, but Mighty Fight Federation, fighting games are one of the most inclusive, least toxic communities. It's like metalheads. They're like, just yeah. awesome people. And um, and they're really good at, like, um, like kind of like uh, kind of taking care of their own community if, uh, if something if somebody comes up bad in that community. Yeah, like no, I know that like, happened in the Street Fighter community and the uh, the Street Fighter community and the Smash Brother community like a couple of years ago where there was like one or two really toxic players that were kind of high up and they kind of took care of it themselves like internally. Speaking of fighting in communities, uh, here are some opinions on Money Fight Federation from someone who is the head of Button Masters Anonymous. Kick it away, Bingy. <laughs> Hello, hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Big Bingy Theory. Now, it may not come as much as a surprise, but uh, when it comes to certain genres of video games, I, uh, though I like to be able to say I'm pretty decent at first-person shooters at times, uh, there is one particular genre that I uh, can easily say that I could get my ass handed to me in a matter of seconds, and that's the fighting game genre. In the last year or so, I've had two occasions where I've played fighting games. Uh, one was playing Soul Calibur VI with my girlfriend, and the other was playing Jump Force with Wild with a Wise Own uh, Chase Dyer, which uh, I wish we could record at that because uh, those those fights that we were having with like our build our own characters and everything was pretty funny. But anyway, <laughs> I'm familiar with the Mortal Kombat video games in particular but there are there are, i can't really tell you like the biggest deepest lore when it comes to mortal Kombat. i'm still very much new to that but i'd be lying if i didn't say that there is like an itch in the back of me that it just kind of goes you should give the fighting game genre another chance you know at least find something you know fun easy to get into and have kick-ass characters and then lo and behold mighty fight federation was brought to my lap. I'm just going to say right off the bat, Mighty Fight Federation is such a fun game. I'm not even joking. Like It is such a fun game to get re- to get into. Not only because of the characters themselves, but the overall just fighting style of it and everything. It feels just like a lot of fun. Like You can really bring not just a group of friends, but maybe, like maybe the family into this as well. It is a lot of fun. Characters like Heckbane, Crystal, Hyperion, Toonstone, CEO. Toonstone's my main. If there is a main that I would have for this game, it would be Toonstone. It is a guy that literally is a walking skeleton that has a guitar, Cyber Scythe. Fuck yeah, I am so for that. So the overall look of the game is like what really gets me into it. But I can also tell that if this was played by somebody who is a, a fighting game professional 
I would say that they would get into this because there are times when the game can also be a little bit challenging at times. Now, thankfully for, for newbies like me, I can actually turn down this CPU level to easy. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. If that looks, if you look down on me about that, I'm sorry. Okay. I was just getting my ass handed to me at normal difficulty. I, I suck at fighting games. Okay. Did I mention how 90s this, this game is? Because, okay, if this game was in 90s enough, they have Toe Jam and Earl as guest characters in this. Are, are, like, are you serious? Like, I, I personally have not finished the game, but I have rented the Toe Jam and Earl game for, like, the Sega Genesis so many times. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Like, it, 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 I would, as soon as I saw them, like, in, as the in the fighting game and the Mighty Fight game roster of characters, holy shit, I was just like, are you serious, Toe Jam and Earl? Oh, man. Now, having said all that, I do have some thoughts. And that's mainly based on the control aspect of the game. Now, this could be just be a minor nitpick for me because, again, I suck at fighting games in general. But there were a lot of times where I feel like the controls were a, bit, were a little bit loose to the point where there's a lot of times when I'm just punching and kicking air. Now, again, that could just be me and my noobish ways, but I, uh, I feel like if that was, you know, like looked at and everything in the future, this could be something that, you know... I can get myself more into again could just be me but mighty fight federation i think is gonna be fun for the whole family i think a lot of people can get into this i think um i think the younger generation of fighting game uh fighting game genre players out there will get a kick out of this if not if if not just based on the look of it itself because it's bright colorful and it's just it it, it just has it just rolls with it it has fun with itself my fight federation gets a thumbs up from bingy <laughs> i know you can't see the thumbs up because it's an audio format but i am definitely giving a thumbs up no seriously this is this is a good game it's a lot of fun and everybody should give it a shot so that was my theory on mighty fight federation what will i talk about next well i don't know but I'm sure I'm going to have a theory on it. So until next time, this is Bingy. Keep on gaming. Like human beings are tribal, right? And we're tribal in every element. And, and and I say, you know, you look at like America, the political divide right now, it's this huge echo chamber of tribes. But gaming is the same way, just as not politics. Religion is the same way. Sports teams are the same way, right? Yeah. Like, and it's not video games. I mean, it's not the Internet that's doing this, because I remember back in school before the Internet, you would almost have screaming matches with people on the playground about Sega Genesis or Super Nintendo. <laughs> which was the which was the one it yeah. was it was almost like the, the same line of my dad could beat up your dad <laughs> you know? just does what nintendo fucking don't what the don't <laughs> yep oh so, man i remember those like, days my, my, my point in that is is that it's it's not the right ryan it's not the internet it's that people are naturally tribal and so yep. we want people yep. that agree with us we want people that have the same view as us and yeah. i mean how many like, i had a I, for my i'll call my own self out in this situation 
I hated Tom Brady. I'm a Colts fan. I can't stand him in the Patriots. I couldn't stand Tom Brady. I was yeah. cheering for Tom Brady this year because everybody keeps doubting Tom Brady. And I'm like, go, Tom. You know, it's like people yeah. go, Patrick Mahomes yeah. is the greatest quarterback ever. I'm like, he's won one Super Bowl, guys. Chill out. This dude's won six. Now seven yeah. and been to ten. Like, uh, and, he's, and he's in his 40s. Uh, my father always had this uh, had a quote about that he, he was he was always doing it tongue in cheek, but it was like I was like God, Peyton Manning's the worst. I hate Peyton Manning. I can't stand him. He's the worst player to ever win the Heisman Trophy. Because <laughs> it was like it was like I can't deny yeah, you can't deny that yo know, look he is like statistically by the numbers the greatest. I don't right. have to like him. But yeah, by the numbers, he's the best. Yeah, well, it's like it's like I, I was talking about Velheim, right? Like, I don't think Velheim is a super gorgeous game. I don't think it's the most amazing survival game I've seen. Yeah. But it it sold four million units in three and a half weeks, guys. It's doing something That's correct. Something right. yeah. so, so when you can't be intellectually honest, well, what are they doing well, right? They're doing some things really well, and there's a lot of hidden depth that you don't see on the surface of the product. And, and the so, fans that don't understand early access games are already getting angry at that game because the content there's not a lot of content yet because it's it's early. I'm saying that's the thing. There's already some people that are bad mouthing it now my... because there's not a lot of content, but it's early access. It's like a Sea of Thieves. If you played Sea of Thieves or um, No Man's Sky when they first, although that was a little different because they released as full titles. Yeah, that, um, no, yeah, that was No Man's Sky was an early access game released. As a full game, you know. Sea of Thieves is a, and this is a whole other topic. There's, this is about where expectations versus yes. reality are don't line up. So, my opinion of Sea of Thieves is, it, I don't like the game. If I wasn't right. hyped for Sea of Thieves and I play Sea of Thieves, it's an amazing game. But right. my expectations for what I wanted the game to be and what and it I, became, and I was the in the same exact boat. That's exactly, I hundred percent agree with you there, Ryan. Viking games are now hot. Yeah. The Assassin's Creed of uh, Valhalla is uh, selling through the roof. Uh, this game, games, pirates, Vikings, zombies, and dinosaurs never get old. Yep, put them all in the same game. Wasn't there a free-to-play game for a while called it was Vikings, Vikings, Pirates, and Ninjas? Was a oh, first-person right. shooter. That well, also, amazing. I think this is a really good time too to bring up your uh, your game, Ryan. Mighty Fight. Before we get too deep into our interview here about Mighty Fight Federation. Uh, let us go ahead and take a trip across the seas and speak with Aunt Liz as we join her in her K-pop corner. All right. Thanks so much for tuning back in. It's a new episode of K-pop Corner. I am, as always, your K-pop stan, Liz. And today, um, we're actually going to be talking about BTS, because uh, they released a couple of really, really cool things this week. One of the most important being that they did their first uh, MTV Unplugged, which was really, really cool. Um, to me, I mean, I feel like that's just kind of another proving point that BTS isn't just a k-pop band but like now they are in the forefront i mean they're joining the leagues of you know pearl jam and nirvana like they've done an unplugged show now um something that's really really cool about this performance that's got me kind of losing my mind as well is the fact that there's several songs in english um i think over this past year uh and and i think at this point anybody when you hear k-pop that's kind of all you know is bts but through this past year, 
they've really just kind of hit this point in a cultural zeitgeist that's kind of hard to miss, um, especially if you've been on Twitter or any near direction of it. Um, it tends to be BTS fans, the army uh, that are taking over and, and co-operating uh, hashtags on Twitter and things like that. And it's, I mean, there in a lot of ways, people might think that fans of BTS uh, army are just rabid, insane teenage girls. Um, but it's, I mean, I'm a rabid, insane 31 year old woman. So I don't know <laughs> how much truth there is or is not to that. Um, but the MTV Unplugged performance was just incredible. Um, a quick overview, especially if you look it up on YouTube, um, uh, probably the first thing that's going to pop up is uh, they did a cover of Fix You by Coldplay. And I think that that just perfectly personifies, um, because BTS also released a new album um, recently called B. And it's kind of under the exact same framework and thought process that B was formulated under. Um, the song itself is melancholy and and hopeful, but ultimately it's just like there is such an opaque sadness that's painted over top of an unbridled, spiteful optimism. It's like, I know everything sucks right now, and I hate this, and I feel very, very alone, but at the same time, you know, it, it, it it's going to get better because it has to get better. It has to. Um, and I think that that's a lot of the context of the album B, um, because they've added several new songs. Two of my favorite, I would say, on the new album, um, because mind you, this whole album was recorded while they were in quarantine in South Korea. Um, 2020 was supposed to be the year that they were having their biggest international tour to date. Um, I, in fact, had tickets to go see it in Chicago, see them in Chicago. And um, well, I mean, the world what it is. Um, <laughs> but this was supposed to be them, you know, raising to the highest levels of pop music and, you know, just chart topper after chart topper after chart topper of number one hits that are just breaking billboard charts in half. Um, and then COVID happened and the, the whole entire album really expresses to this arrested development, this feeling like a pause button initially that we all went through during the first few months of the pandemic, which felt like time had stopped. And we never really had any level of any thought process other than when all of this is over, well, then let me tell you what I'm going to do. Um, we had no idea. We really didn't. And um, when you put in the context of the song uh, Blue and Gray, um, it's originally it was supposed to be for the member V, his uh solo album but the other bandmates just loved it so much that they decided to put it on the album and b has such an amazing lyric to it which is i feel so bad that i'm not happy i feel so alone is this anxious is this depression i don't know what i should feel and i'm afraid 
to allow myself to feel anything solid. And that's such a deep, resonating, just incredible line in a song just to be able to express so eloquently just what it feels like, especially in the context of them being in their mid-20s. They're in the prime of their life, literally on the top of the world, and they still are suffering in a very similar emotional capacity of this just global feeling of just fear of not wanting to solidify any thought or or belief and being very, very sad just all around, uh, nothing specific. It's not like you just miss your friends or you just miss, you know, contact or just miss not being afraid. Blue and gray really is sort of a way for the group all together to reach out to ARMY and say, we feel it too. Not even in their typical optimistic, we're going to get through this together, but uh, we feel this too. And I think it's kind of important knowing that their fan base is younger, that they have somebody to look up to that says, I understand this. Um, the other one that is a very, very good song, uh, really J-Hope was the leader for it. It's a uh, disease. Um, and that sounds like it would be a complete song about, you know, a coronavirus, but it's more or less, it's, um, it kind of encapsulates those feelings in the early days of the lockdowns when it was like you woke up without an alarm you kind of like it was that first couple of weeks when it felt more like a vacation than a thing you had to do and so it was kind of like awesome I've got a week off that I don't have to do anything I'm just I'm just gonna lay in bed and I'm gonna stretch out and and you know I'm, I'm really gonna I'm gonna enjoy being me and uh, that song um, if you're looking for any sort of context of what 1980s like early Korean hip-hop sounds like disease absolutely samples a lot of backbeats from very very early like early 90s late 80s Korean hip-hop and it's very very like just catchy and there's a momentum to it um the final song that I uh have been playing non-stop just over and over and over again is uh here in my room and it really, the entire context of the song is very much, again, related to quarantining, relating to the isolation, the lockdown. But it also kind of has this degree of like hopefulness, um, not just that things are going to get better, that things are going to change, but that because the world has changed so, 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 so much, so quickly in just one pandemic, that there's a potential for real earth shattering change that instead of Daenerys, it's that Daenerys Targaryen, you know, I don't want to spin the wheel. I want to break it. And it's kind of this like excitement and passion and hope against all odds that maybe, you know, just maybe out of everything that we're going to change and it's not going to be as dark and awful of a world. It's just us, up to us to do so. Um, so yeah, uh, I highly recommend uh, you can find the uh, MTV Unplugged for BTS uh, on uh, YouTube. And of course, uh, their albums everywhere on Spotify. Um, I just got my uh, special release box set album from Amazon a couple days ago. And I got a lot of cool photo books and stuff. 
Um, and yeah, well, thank you guys again for having me on. Um, next week, uh, we're going to talk some more about K-pop and things like that. And, uh, well, I can't wait to talk at you guys soon. Thanks. Yep. So, okay. So this is the main reason we brought him on. So we're going to talk about this. The first thing I want to say up off the top is when we used to be called DLC Respawn, um, we got to interview uh, the director of this movie. And I watched half of the movie and did not like it at all and felt super bad because I had to go into an interview and pretend I liked it. And I know like people have like limited budgets and I felt so bad for leading people towards what I thought was a crappy movie. So I promise like we wouldn't do that anymore. Even if it becomes like an awkward conversation where we have the person on that makes the game, we have to be honest with our, with the people that listen to this podcast. We got to put aside our personal feelings. That's too why I wanted to bring up the fact that we know Ryan. Um, but thank God I don't have to. I don't have to sell my yes, soul here. Yes. Um, and, I'm not. A, I, I, yeah, I and, asked you to be. I asked you guys to be honest too. And just said, to back yeah. up what Ryan is saying, Ryan and I talked. Ryan Shipley and I uh, talked in private, but before, way before this, this, this uh, podcast even started, about our honest opinions about this game, and we both really like it. We were both yeah. really, really happy. We didn't have to like, you know say bad things about it or anything we were like oh we're so glad that that ryan put a good game together <laughs> yeah so um ryan explain what the game is so first thing i am the publisher of the game i don't want to take okay. anything away from my my development partner who who poured their heart and soul into this product which is comey games a killer kick-ass team out of canada out of toronto canada um so just want to say to julian ori uh i i supported these guys so my company is the publisher Mm-hmm. We like to think we like to think of ourselves and we try to behave what we believe is different from a lot of other publishers, which is our goal is to make long-term strategic partnerships where we or our developers can grow and benefit. We don't like to share crop models. So we don't own the IP. We don't uh, we try to make fair rev share situations that benefit them and we want to help our developers scale to their desires and and, and, and to be a sustainable business for them. So the, back to the idea of product, what is the goal? Well, we have the same thing internally, but what is our goal for this product? And so when this opportunity came to me, it was uh, like the quality of the game was great. It wasn't where it is today. Um, How long ago was this? About the We started talking about this time last year. Um, okay. We officially signed, I think, in April. April okay. May. Um, so we came alongside and... I kind of set my vision, what I wanted to see happen. Um, they agreed that, this, that they liked the vision too. Um, so we went out, we had a goal of finding and securing licensed IP on to, to add to our existing portfolio of players that we create our own character list. Um, we were able to go out and secure, they had already secured Toe Jam and Earl. Yeah, let's and stop then, right there for just a second, just to let the people know that are listening. Yeah, I need back with the game, don't I? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so what exactly is this game? Mighty Fight Federation is a 3D arena brawler. It's the spiritual successor uh, to Power Stone, but designed for the FGC, the fighting game community, with fighting game and community mechanics. Um, we've had a ton of pro players play it, uh, from Smash to Tekken to Mortal Kombat uh, to Street Fighter. So we've gotten this feedback from the, from the FGC, which stands for the fighting game community. Um, there's a lot of pro circuits, a lot of pro players. 
uh, we had all these influences into this. Now, Julian and Ori are passionate about fighting games. They actually play this game in the office for fun, which <laughs> a lot of times that doesn't happen when you're developing the game. Yeah. Um, but it's got uh, 11 original characters and yeah. it has two licensed characters right now. There's a big secret announcement happening on the 4th. Uh, but our next one is... That's but, exciting. Uh, I, you've already I, announced another fighter on Twitter, right? Yes, we've already announced the first DLC pack, which is going to be Kunio and Ricky from River City Ransom. Uh, which is super awesome. Excited. Yeah, super excited about it. Um, what's really cool is these companies that we're working with are excited about the product, too. Um, and so, you know, the move sets and each, they have, each character that gets put into our game has their own level. So they have the, the actual characters plus a level. So Toji and Earl, they have their level. Ukulele, they have their level. Kunio and Ricky, they'll have their level. And so, um, and the story it, it, mode too, right? Their their own full, full story modes, everything. Correct. Uh, there's a single player story mode. There's an arcade challenge. Uh, there's Which training I, I mode. Do, I do want to say uh, props to your animators because I have uh, I, I was checking out some of the arcade the story modes in the arcade, and some of those cinematics, those little animations are mm -hmm. just. Mwah. Yeah, yeah and, and I love That's some of the guy. little, little stories and, and what they say. Like my favorite character so far is Killbot. Oh, Killbot's awesome! <laughs> Killbot is awesome. I did uh, really well with the evil alien guy. What's his name? Evil alien guy? Uh, yeah, it's Hyperion? He's not actually an alien. No, he's not actually an alien. Uh, you're talking about .exe? Yeah, .exe. Sorry. Yeah, okay. yeah. He, he's a virus. <laughs> oh. Okay, that makes yeah. more sense. Hey, by the way, when I watched I Am Legend, I did not know the whole movie that, or whatever that movie was. I did not know um, Denzel Washington was blind. Book of Eli. Oh, Book of Eli. So, Book of so, Eli. So I apologize. But no, he's my favorite character. But like you were saying, Boston, everything is, the openings are super well done. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. You know, voice acting. It, uh, yeah, it everything. It feels like a cross between Power Stone meets Smash Brothers with a little bit of Street Fighter thrown in. That, that's, that's how yeah, it feels I've, to me a little bit. Yeah. I've been calling it uh, to people who ask me about it. I've been calling it uh, Smash for the rest of the franchises. <laughs> <laughs> nice, um, nice. And it's deep too. You, you definitely like. Um, I, I would suggest anybody gets it. Start doing like the missions because the missions are basically where you're putting together uh, combos and everything. Um, and that's where uh, first of all, first off, do the uh, training so you can understand. Like cause a lot of the moves happen. Yeah. L, holding L one triggers a lot of the stuff. Um, but the fighting skill in that game, it's super, it's super cool. Cause I've not played a lot of fighting games, but I think it's rich. I think it stands on its own. It's kind of like the originality with I do too. the way you do the, the combos and the moves of the game. What's really cool is that a really good player can create combos that actually aren't necessarily in training. So it's designed so that pro players can create extra stuff into the product. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, but it's also super easy what these guys have done so well is that the game is easy to get into, but hard to master. There's a lot of depth. Right. To it. Um, but that's good though. That's the perfect balance. Cause it's, it you is. know, it, 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 that it caters to a wide audience that way. It, it really does. I remember when I first started playing this, when I was testing out at your house, I, I, I put the controller in. I was like, man, you have really got something on your hands here. This is a really good game. Yeah. I have to ask one question though. One sure. question from the bottom of my heart. Who decided on them hops? <laughs> that that would that would not that, be me. <laughs> that, that, that's the only thing that seems like I I got used to it quickly, but it just see it it I don't know the jumping the jumping in the game seems very 
very off. Just it's uh, the I don't know because it, it it feels because it just it it like you just you hit the button you're just like ah! and like I, I got used to it. I got used to it mechanically. It was fun. It was fun to play with, but it was just really weird to be like that 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 that. Huh. I think I, it so, does... so part of the reason for that is that it has the ability to have combo counters in the air. So there's a lot of mo- well, there's a lot of action off wall bounces and air combos, and so you need mm. that height in order to be able to do that. Plus, some of the layers are multi-level. A lot of people don't realize that, and so it, it, it's that that's part of the reason for that. So we've gotten some, we've gotten some feedback on that. We also got some feedback on the animation looks a little glitchy in, in the heights, but it's designed that way so you can actually have good combinations and good combos in mid-air fighting. Well, uh, when I threw my wife through the uh, the wall in the cosplay <laughs> the cosplay episode, uh, you're level, talking about was... uh, at, at the house earlier tonight, in right? Game. Not in, not in game. game. <laughs> no, no, in, in, in the game. Listen, had to excuse himself for a few minutes. <laughs> right. We are we are crashing in the background. Ryan, what's going on? Uh, Boston, what's going on? <laughs> I didn't get to play the. Uh, I didn't get to play online because I didn't re up my PlayStation Plus. So, oh, I had to play locally with my wife. Um, but no, the, uh, the, the fact what you do with the, the stages, the first time I did that, I think on the stage where it starts in the penthouse and you body slam the person through the, the glass, uh, floor and mm-hmm. smash into the next side. That was yes. super cool. I now are any of the, um, the guest stages interactive like that? Yes. Okay. The, the two that are out right now. Um, Toji Earls is not, Ukulele okay. not, but there is two. Oh, that are coming. Nice. And so, I can tell everybody here because I'm special. I know one of them, I think. And it's going to it's amazing. You know what, Ryan? No one likes a bragger. Yeah, I, I, I so so Sony <laughs> will be so, so PlayStation will be doing the reveal of the character on Sony's blog. Oh, uh, nice. in about a week and a half. We're super excited about that. So speaking of that, what's what's the process of getting involved with with like Sony and Microsoft, you know, like to get to get something released on their platform. Is that, I I would think it may be hard to at least get into the door. Is that true? Or what's the process? Easier than it used to be. Okay. Um, (laughs) It used to be like when we first got established, extremely hard. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, both, both companies seem to be more uh, open to indie. uh, Yeah. Right. Indie friendly now. Right. But they're not like steam on steam. You could spend a hundred bucks and put your game out, right? Like so, you know, it, it's uh, it's got. And is some... this is this Microsoft as well? Is it Sony and Microsoft that's coming out? It on? is not. It's PlayStation, Switch, PC. Okay. Uh, Microsoft is in the plan. Honestly, there's a very strategic reason for that. Number one is the fighting game community exists on PlayStation. That um, makes sense. There are really? millions of players on Xbox, but the it's it's almost a four to one ratio. Um, number two is this game honestly probably is more appealing to a Smash player than mm-hmm. say a Dragon Ball Z or a Killer Instinct type player. No, it, um, it, it feels more like that type of game anyway. I can see that. Lastly, is since Game Pass, which by the way is the greatest deal in gaming for. I want to tell you right now, I have been the f- spokesperson on this podcast for get for for uh, game Game Pass. Um, <laughs> I agree 100. percent But as a developer, what we're seeing is that games aren't selling on Xbox. If they're not in Game Pass, like like ga- Game Pass, you get your Game Pass money, and so for us, our goal was to make this successful on. If it's successful on PlayStation Switch, then we roll out to season two when we have some DLC. It can then be you know be a Game Pass play where then we have our we can you know monetize the DLC at that point. That makes sense. Okay. Yep. Um, 
But they also had eight games in Game Pass when we approached them the first time. So it's just not a play from Microsoft. Frankly, wasn't interested in it. And we could put we could put the platform because we're a Microsoft part. You know, we, we have the ability to be on Microsoft's platform. Yeah. But there's no point right now, in our opinion, on spending the money to port it and QA it all through the whole process for for Xbox, just to be sit there and do 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 nothing. Hmm. Now we're uh, it's launching today while we're recording this, which is the uh, 25th of February. It launches yep. on PlayStation 5 and PlayStation 4 today, and then Switch the middle of March. Uh, so it's actually on Switch Europe right now. So if you're a European, okay. you can go grab um, go grab it t- today. Or if you're sneaky. Oh, actually, so Nintendo's not region locked. Yeah. So you, in theory, could create an account at, at the EU version of it and go get it. But it'll be out. We can officially say it'll be out March the 10th on uh, Switch EU. Or Switch North America, sorry. Um, one of the reasons is that it just gives us more time to, to not overload the crossplay. Um, right. So, but yeah. Anyway. Um, so it's gonna be crossplay between the platforms. Its own. It's crossplay right now. PC, PS4, PS5, and Switch. Awesome. Mm. And, and also, I... it, the also big selling point to this game is it has net rollback code. Um, Which is. That's what creates low latency lag. It's really hard oh, to do. Nice. Finding games that have it's it's a high quality version of it too. We're getting a lot. That's all awesome. The big ads. That's pretty cool. Um, so the DLC that's coming, so far is that going to be like paid DLC? What's the plan so far? Yeah, DLC will be paid DLC. Now we're announcing another character that we want to talk about from PlayStation. That will be added to the core product for free for everyone. Okay, um, okay. Another caveat here is if you buy it on PS4, you get the five, the free upgrade of PS5. That's good. That's a really yeah. good thing. Do you get the characters that come with if you move your from PS4 to a PS5 copy? Yeah, no, no. So, so 100%. In fact, we're not. There will never be a character added that's exclusive to a region or to a platform. Oh, okay, cool. Because it's a competitive fighting game. We again, what's the core product? What's the value of the product? We don't believe that's the right thing to do. Um, mm-hmm. Soul Calibur did that a while back when they added Darth Vader and they added Link and like we just yep. don't we don't like that for the consumer we don't like that as consumers um, and so oh, yeah. if you're because, OCD like I am it just kills you well and we and we just we just want to create a, a, a great competitive game we we actually see this could be very well going to esports if it's successful enough oh yeah um, you know it's possible it, it doesn't sell at all it's just it's hard to get noticed right now too so you know we're we're hoping we're hoping that the next week we we start to get some really good momentum. Um, I- I think what helps the game from not just being your friend, but just looking at it on the PlayStation 5 score and everything is it looks colorful and it looks different than it does, a lot of the games that are on there right now. Yeah, yeah. And, it, and it's fun to play. It just has a really fun factor to it. Uh, we were a little disappointed that the state of play happened because they just announced that a few days ago. We've had this release date set, and so that was pretty discouraging. What um, was it that, that it wasn't announced on the state of play? Oh, yeah. State of play, just, they announced it, what, a few days ago? That it'll be happening? Yep. So, yeah. you know, um, we were already set for release, and so that that was a little frustrating just from a marketing perspective, because in a right. perspective, because you know they didn't feature us in State of Play, which Sony you should have featured us. We'd have been a good product ad. <laughs> well, I'll, but, I'll just say yeah. this: uh, they didn't really feature much of anything. So, your game would have been a great addition <laughs> to the State of Play. I think so too, and it would have been like one of those things that I'll always like when Nintendo does their things. And granted, the last direct wasn't that good either, but they'll always say, "If you think this game is great, you can play it today." And you're always like, oh, that's awesome. That would have been cool. Yeah, that would have been a really cool thing to happen, right? Because you, you could have, like I said, about, about your game, right? 
But I know you're getting a little bit of push already because I saw on IGN today you were on the main page. Yeah, we got um, we did we got one of the really harsh, um, one of the more strict groups. Uh, Screen Rant reviewed us. They gave us a seven out of ten. Um, I get a little frustrated from the gaming review sites because they listed it as very good, but it's mm-hmm. a seventy percent rating on Metacritic. So that's mm-hmm. always a little frustrating. Right. Um, like the headline is Mighty Fight Federation review. The Power Stone we never knew we needed. Like, that's a good review. That's, and, a, that's, and it, a, that's good. And it's a great review. They're they're a really harsh critic, right? So they're known as being a firm critic. So we are pleased with that. We've, we've got you know a couple reviews coming out. We expect to see a lot more in the next you know four to five days. You know next week as well as as more mm-hmm. reviewers get into it and get to play it and get the net robot code. Um, you've got some really popular uh, fighting streamers playing it too. Like I was watching one earlier today. Yeah, we, we we've got real good feedback from the fighting community. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, it's just it's about me reaching that mass critical point, and I think that, um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with the product. You know, new the new consoles. You know, PlayStation Five has around five million units that that have been sold, but not all those units are actually registered or used because some are still sitting in resellers' <laughs> houses. Yeah, those mm-hmm. good old resellers. Yeah, and, and to be fair to Sony, Sony worked really hard to try to prevent that from happening. It's just, it's just so yeah, hard. It's, to do it's hard to do. It's hard to fight. Yeah. Yeah, and it's also because a lot of these, uh, like Walmart, Best Buy, Target, Amazon, they don't really care about stopping the bots. Yeah, no, yeah, they, 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 they got, they got, they got their sales. That's all. That's all that all matters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and we're going to give a, a copy or two away of this game, aren't we? We are. That is correct. Okay, so what we'll do is we'll add to the front of this. Uh, once we come up with, our, like I said, we don't think of stuff, but when we uh, <laughs> when we figure out the contest, we'll put it at the uh, the end of the episode here. Uh, what we're gonna do? What are we doing? One copy, two copies? What are you thinking? I mean, you tell me. Uh, yeah, I'm thinking. Let's, let's do five copies. Five copies? Okay. okay. Nice. That's what we'll do then. We'll give away five copies of this. Uh, we'll come up with a good contest. We're not oh, yeah. really good at coming up with contests. I want to be honest with you, but we'll come up with a good one because this game deserves a good contest. It does. It does. Well, I, yeah. I really appreciate it, guys. And, and I'll tell you, I'm, I'm really proud of what we and the team have put together. As um, you should be. Yeah. It, you know, it, it's a beautiful game. It runs. I mean, this game is so polished. It runs really, really, really I, well. I was playing it earlier today with no problems. I did notice one thing after talking to Boston and, and Scott, because uh, I'm playing on a PlayStation 5. Yep. It loads so fast that I don't get to see any of the um, the company logos at the beginning of it. <laughs> oh, that's right. He, he was asking, say, is Brian's company logo on the game? I was like, oh, yeah, it's it's, it's right there when you boot it up. Yeah, but PS5 so powerful. <laughs> PS5 so strong, it's like, screw yeah. it. Oh, <laughs> you don't need to know stuff. Right. <laughs> Just play. You're playing yeah. right now. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. That's been one of the weirdest things about because uh, I've got I've just upgraded my PC and that's been happening a lot to me, too, where I'm like those little those little quips they give you between the loading screens. Uh-huh. To be like, Here's info about the end. Uh, done. done. It's, yeah. like, it's like yep. so fast. It's like seizure inducing. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I also I want to give a shout out. We have official sponsorship from AMD. AMD is our official PC uh, partner. They were the first group to come in. Um, they've given us uh tech review of the product to make sure it runs well on, on, on all AMD uh, CPUs and GPUs. Uh, they've given us uh, even uh, PCs for some of the development groups. So I just really want to give a shout out to Josh Salem, our account guy at 
uh, AMD and just what they have done for us. And no, they're not paying me to say this. They've just been such a help to the product. And then we also have a partnership with Red Bull uh, Canada, and they have been an amazing partner as well. So awesome. Now, we, does we, Red Bull Canada use the same logo? It gives you wings, or do they add an A to the end of it? No, they, they all. <laughs> <laughs> well played. Nice, Ryan. Don't you know, eh? Um, yeah, no. So, no, they, I, I, don't, I don't actually know, to be fair. That's a good question. Yeah. Are they in Tim Hortons? Sorry. That's my Canada no. stuff. <laughs> you got Tim Hortons for coffee, goddammit. You, you'll have to ask your Canadian viewer base, listener base here. Yeah. So. I'll check the loading uh, run. That's exciting. And uh, the Red Bull, that's where that um, back around, like right before Christmas, where the, the fighting tournament, they hosted that one. The, AdrenaNet. Yeah, they did, they did AdrenaNet. Yep. We were, we yeah. were one of the indie showcases. Nice. So awesome. Yeah. And that's the thing with these kind of games like this is you just have to find that one, the right Twitch streamer starts streaming it. And oh, it's going to yeah. blow up. It'll blow, it'll blow it, up. It, it, you know, that, that's an interesting thing to talk about, too, is just strategy, like how to market products. In the last 18 to 24 months, traditional marketing's gone it's all yeah. influencer driven not not all but i mean like largely influencer driven and so it's as a publisher it's been really challenging because you know there's a couple strategies of like do i pay you know do you, if you pay pewdiepie a million bucks to play your game do you recoup that or you know a hundred thousand dollars to play your product right like uh you know what's your target demographic what's the game and, and so it's been it's been a fun and challenging to try to to, to find this right balance of how to get the product out there um mm. Because you don't just want to, because you're like uh, everyone, you guys are like on a smaller group, so you can't have the giant uh, marketing money budget that like a big name game would have. No, yeah, we, we don't have a $2 million spending budget for this product, correct. Yeah. Um, but again, it, it's all about finding the right balance of things. You know, we, one of the things that we'd like to do if the game skills does a little bit better is we'd like to try to create a cosplay scene around the products, around some of the characters. Oh. Mm. Um, you know, we think a couple of them would be really I, fun for cosplayers. I'll send you I, my cos- I cosplay as Heckbane. I yeah. think you'd be a great Heckbane. <laughs> I, I, I love it. <laughs> Scott, will you be Toe Jam and Earl with me? I definitely would. 100% do that. You guys would actually be a great Toe Jam, Scott. Because Scott, you yes. just said it. Scott's the third legged Scott is what, is what, uh, is what you guys <laughs> yeah, called him right. said earlier. That's right. All right. So, right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, man. Oh, uh, Boston, you hey. have no room. You all threw me under the bus this yeah. podcast. There is, there is One no more room here to act embarrassed. Before we, we break it today, because something that Boston was wanting to talk about. What just came out today, Boston? Oh, so it has been announced. Uh, yeah, I guess I can rant about this before we all go. Yeah. It has been announced that Magic the Gathering, which yeah. has been near and dear to my heart mm-hmm. for several mm-hmm. years now, Sure. Is going to be doing a uh, online a new prop. Well, there's there's the online. There's a bunch of online ones. Uh, I've been playing Arena for a long time now, but there is they're they're doing a crossover products with several new universe other universes now. Now they'd already announced earlier last year that there is going to be an actual Dungeons and Dragons set. I believe it's going to be like it's a, an actual like camp a set set in uh Faerun, i believe hmm. so uh, for all those neverwinter nights fans uh, that's going to be an actual set but now apparently they're also these motherfuckers <laughs> are doing a they're teaming up with warhammer oh. 40k and tolkien uh, tolkien so so they already did earlier in the year uh, early or la- sometime last year they did secret layer walking dead 
And now they've done things like this before, where they've teamed up with uh, Transformers, My Little Pony, um, and some other other Hasbro other Hasbro products. Okay. And they've done what are, what are known as uh, their silver bordered cards. Are they going to team up so with Potato Head? Uh, maybe at some point. Okay. Um, so one of the things that Magic does is they have these silver bordered cards that are not not tournament legal. So you can't play them in a competitive format. They're just for fun, goofing around. So they have a silver border, so you know this is not a real this is not a real card. Okay. And then they did something a little weird in the la- one of the last sets called Ikoria, in which they had a crossover with Godzilla, the Godzilla mm-hmm. franchise. And so some of the cards had alternate art that made them look like characters from the Godzilla universe. So one of them that was like Luminous Broodmoth uh, had a Mothra skin that you could... So it was the same them. exact car, same abilities, just a different skin? Right, but it was a diff- an alternate art where it was Mothra it. rather than Luminous Broodmoth. Okay. Or uh, there's like, there are like four different Godzillas. There's a Ghidra... Um, there's a Mechagodzilla, which actually was one of my favorite ones. But it was just an alternate art. It wasn't a different card. Right. And then Secret Layer Walking Dead happened. And now Negan is an actual Magic the Gathering card. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine you're sitting there trying to cast a fireball and somebody smacks you in the back of your head with a baseball yeah. bat? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, I can, like, actually. <laughs> yeah. What's, a, summon, what's Negan's uh, ability? In magic, yeah. what, what's his? Uh, uh, oh shit! Hold it's up. Uh, it's gonna be something with Lucille. It's gotta be something it has with to Lucille. Be. It has to be. So, so far, why is there controversy? Because all this sounds pretty awesome so well, far. Okay, so here's the deal. The uh, yeah, Negan, Negan the Cold Blooded. When he enters the battlefield, you and target opponent secretly choose a creature that player controls. Then those choices are revealed, and that player sacrifices those cheat creatures. Whenever an opponent sacrifices a creature, you create a treasure token. Hmm. So you can kill if you can kill up to two of their creatures unless he they can choose the same one you choose. Okay. Oh, uh, okay, okay. Now, the thing is, it's, it's the Secret Layer Collection was a specific set of luxury cards, not even just premium cards, luxury cards. There was one that was pretty much uh, a whole bunch of Sailor Jerry style tattoo arts. Like they they were just absolutely gorgeous variations on cards, but usually they were just variations on cards similar to the Godzilla thing. This yeah. is a new Magic the Gathering card. It's legacy playable. It's Commander legal. Hmm. You can le- you can run le- Negan. Now he's not that good of, compared to some of the other stuff, but you can run Negan in a legacy deck. It's legal and. It's not like I can go buy a pack at the local store and maybe open Negan. Now they have said they may print a, a they may print a creature in the future that has the same abilities, so it will be functionally the same. Mm-hmm. But that still means that right now, if I spent luxury amounts of money to get that secret layer drop, I have cards that no one else in the game has access to. Okay. Unless they also purchase oh, that luxury yeah. product. Ouch. But, but is that kind of like pay to win though? Like it is. I kind think. of. You know, it's it's almost a reverse. So it's I, almost like a reverse uh, thing of the well, what they call the reserve list, which is X amount of cars that they're never going to reprint. Even that's its own. That's a whole other podcast. And I can give you videos that already complain about that. But <laughs> so 
this is a new this is, and this is from what I've seen this is going to be the same thing it'll be they're 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 even saying they've already said they are going to be magic legal cards so they will be tournament legal cards not for probably not for standard probably for still legacy or vintage but still legal playable cards that are only available to people able to pay money for that premium product and mm-hmm. that is some goddamn horseshit and that's why people are pissed about the new warhammer that's that's what most people are pissed off about okay is apparently the the walking dead did well enough that they're going to keep on doing it Hmm. and so that's just that's just my two cents is that i just don't think it it, if you're if the point of your game is to be accessible to anybody to you know to play then you have to make the cards all accessible you can't gate oh yeah i agree with that 100 you can't gate the game to people who who can who can fund you know and even even then it's for the most part, uh, it's usually a secondary market that you have to buy the cards on anyway. Mm-hmm. So Wizards isn't making that much money on the secondary market, except when they uh, create luxury editions of the cards and choke those prices out. Yep. But that's why I've been playing Arena because I I spend twenty bucks a month to get the new uh, uh, the new pass or whatever to unlock more cards, and then I draft. <laughs> Yeah, because uh, drafting's the way drafting's the way to go. That stinks. I, I just that really just drives me crazy when you can just pay to win. That's the thing yeah. I like about a lot of like uh, Call of Duty and stuff like that. Is a lot of times like the extra stuff is just based on skins. Like Fortnite yeah, will do I, that. Where I'm 100 percent fine with, with skins. Oh I, I, yeah, I, cosmetics I are okay. I could care less I, co- about that. Cosmetics to me are 100 percent acceptable. If you're doing if you're doing microtransactions, that's the way to do it. Cosmetics well, all day long. Go go for it. Yep. Yeah. Or, or create like tournament elements that are. Like you can use these cards, the pay to win cards, and then tournaments that you can't. Like so that there's a, a balance. Like another yeah. one that either. So if Magic said, here's here's a pro circuit tournament that doesn't use pay to win cards, and here's the pay to win. Almost like Hearthstone's uh, Wilds or um. Yeah, uh, Stainer versus yeah. Wild. Yeah, like you know, yeah. like I'm okay with that because you know there's a competitive scene that has these rules. It's all about meeting the expectation of the consumer, right? If I know what I can can compete on, uh, you know, yeah. my deck has a chance. You know, right. That's cool. well, even why in, in Magic right now, one of the biggest for even mainly because not a lot of people are doing a lot of are playing paper in person right now. Um, standard is not even a big thing right now. A lot of people who are making it out are focusing on Commander or Elder Dragon Highlander EDH, which is all about community games and having fun. Like hmm. they're it's always a four unless you're playing competitive. It's a four player game. And the and the idea is, hey, I brought this weird ass deck. Let's have let's let's get let's get weird with it. Like let's just get fucking weird with it. I'm cool with that. Yeah, yeah. Those are the, those are the games I enjoy. Yep. Um. And so. Ryan Boston used to be a fellow Hearthstone player as well. I don't think he's played in a while, but he used to be one. Yeah. Once we yeah, had once. Uh, well, I used I even called Hearthstone. I used to call Hearthstone my uh, my magic methadone. <laughs> because i couldn't i couldn't play in pay, i couldn't play in person for a while right so you went to hearthstone so i went to hearthstone and yeah. then MTG arena came out and i was like well oh, bye hearthstone <laughs> i'm out peace out hearthstone We're out. peace yep. yep like they gave so, me they gave me my drug i can i can mainline magic again yeah <laughs> good. so i would say typically this is when we would do recommendations but i know we're running short on time so i'd say the only thing also, I, yeah go ahead well i also say there's only one thing we'd recommend Mighty Fight Federation. Mighty Fight Federation. That's yep. my recommendation. Mighty Thanks, Fight. Man. And one other thing, just for the podcast, um, 
if you haven't watched it yet, watch WandaVision. We're going to do a special episode Ooh, um, after yes. next week um, where it's going to be a spoiler uh, special. We got some really cool planning ideas planned for it. So make sure you see WandaVision before that episode uh, airs. Um, super good show anyway. I, th- I think we can safely say all of us can recommend WandaVision. You know, the song at the I... end of this last episode actually hit number one on the Billboard chart. Oh, yeah? yeah. Really? Yep. They I actually have, I have made a... not started it yet. I'm waiting for the all to be out. I want to be able to binge it. Like the binge. Well, you got you don't have too much longer to go. I think there's yeah. only, what, a couple more episodes? episodes? I, 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 will, episodes yeah. I will give a recommendation just because it's uh, from Hype Train Digital. Um, there's a new game out today on Steam called Breath Edge. Uh, check it out. It's super awesome. Okay. I have heard of that one, yes. So I'll, I'll read the tagline on it. Survive in outer space together with your immortal chicken. Discover the truth behind the sudden spaceship crash. Crash <laughs> yes. tools, pilot uh, vehicles, and even control space stations to survive and explore. The- <laughs> that description alone makes me want to play now, it. You're and, supposed to be hyping okay. your own game here, and now you're making me want to play this game. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, like, like and I will say our next product also, we're, we're creating a, uh, with another publishing, we're publishing Jaws of Extinction, which is a survival horror RPG. Um, it includes base building. It actually has NPCs with towns and safe zones, uh, and it's a group called Know Your Enemy. Is creation. this the one that has the the ooze stuff that can mess yes. with you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a fun game. Yeah, it looks cool. All right. Um, so we're at one four. I feel good today because last time I was supposed <laughs> to end this at one thirty, and I let it go to like after two. Right. Yeah, and we want Boston to have time to. Yeah. edit this and have a real life <laughs> well thank you so much Ryan, for coming on yeah. our podcast guys thank you for having me thank you for actually playing the game and reviewing it i'm glad you guys hey, all enjoyed it we had fun uh all of us did i'm telling you yep and now you can go uh smoke that cigar there you go That's right. brought to you by my I'm, this is my my goal is to be sponsored by hoya nicaragua so i'm gonna <laughs> every time i have money i'm gonna say hoya nicaragua nice premium cigars nice. for a premium person Nice. I like it, Ryan. I like it. All right. So, Take Hoya, if you hear, if there's someone from Hoya listening to this podcast right now, I am, I will, I will totally cop and do what I need to do within legal guidelines to promote mm, he will, he Hoya Nicaragua. Yes, exactly. I actually have in my humidor at any given time multiples. They currently have fifty plus Hoyas in my. Humidor. I have two uh, in my coat pocket <laughs> right now, sealed. Uh, I'm with you. They are, that's, that's, uh, now that's my not favorite. a humidor. It's not a humidor. It's not no, humidor. no, no, it's not. It's not. <laughs> I'm just saying I have two that I'm ready to smoke it again, Tom. But I, I have to go with Super Ryan fancy. that it is my hands down my favorite cigar. I keep my best ones in my windbreaker. Exactly. <laughs> I, I, I set my favorite ones in the dirt outside. Yes. For that's six how, that's how I roll, baby. Months. I put it. I I wrap it in bread and feed it to my dog. I have a couple uh, up my ass just for just for uh, you know whatever I need to pull it out. <laughs> you know, kimchi. Yeah, we should uh, let's let's wrap this up, Boston. I, I, I'm right. The longer the longer you let the, this is the most vulgar thing I've been on. So <laughs> Ryan, the longer you let this podcast go, the worse it's going to get for me. So and the best part is before I came out here, I go I go Ryan. You know what? I'm not going to cuss tonight. I'm going to be super sweet. <laughs> and then it was Scott. I, <laughs> I ruined it all. I ruined it all. Awesome. All right. Well. All right. Beautiful people of the internet, we thank you so very much for joining us. Uh, as always, we are the BRBAFK podcast, and we will see you all on the next one. Good night. Good night, everyone. Yay. Thanks for having me. My balls are always bouncing, and my ball is always full, and everybody comes and comes again. If your name is on the guest list, 
one can take you higher. Everybody says I'm 